The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg, I'm Rob Steele, and look at all the news we have this week. Both stories are boring. <laughs> I, That's not so funny. Yeah, but there, there was actually, there was a lot of stuff that happened this week. Only two things I found even remotely interesting, though. Uh, one, and this goes to something Todd reviewed, what, I think it was just two shows ago, Jupiter's Legacy. Yep. It, it's been canceled. Yep. Because it's Netflix, and that's what they do. <laughs> they make shows people want to see and cancel them. Very strange. Although, the, the universe, the Mark Miller-verse, I hate that term, but that's what they're calling it, is not gone, because they do have other films, other series in the planning stages, but not Jupiter's Legacy, so very you strange, know. but it's Netflix. Uh, let's see. Other other news story we got this week. It, it, it's not really a, a big thing, but they did confirm that Donnie Yen, who is a favorite actor of this show, uh, is going to be in John Wick 4. Frankly, I don't care that they're even making a John Wick 4. I'm just glad to see that Donnie Yen's going to be in something. I'm glad that they're making a John, uh, John Wick 4, and although they could have just stopped with 3. But, yeah, pretty cool that Donnie Yen is going to be in it. And early news is that he is a friend of John. Uh, what, a mentor assassin or something along those lines? So, very, It's the most cool dangerous game. game they're playing. It is indeed. Funny you should mention that. that that's yes, all. No, that, that was my segue. Thank you very much. Yeah. When did we talk about that? In, uh, in pre-pro. I did. I did. Anyway, yes, most dangerous game. So... We talked about this a few months ago. We talked about the, the Quibi streaming platform, which is a really bizarre idea, which went, and Roku snapped them up. So Roku is now showing Quibi series, and they're rebranded as Roku Originals. Most Dangerous Game is one of these. First one I've seen. Uh, so the concept of Quibi was... We're going to have these little bite-sized chunks of entertainment that you can watch on your commute on your way to work. And they launched this right when millions of people started working from home. So, not the best timing. Good, good idea, but... Yeah, I don't even know if it's like an idea. Um, because you can... I don't know. How many, how many people have eight or nine minute commutes that they can <laughs> be watching something? <laughs> You know, because a lot of people are driving. I mean, it's, it's such a small target audience. It just didn't make a lot of sense. But now... I, mean, I think that's why we started doing podcasts, because you can listen to it as you go to work. And you don't have to look at us. Thank goodness for that on my part. Anyway. Oh, oh, so, too. I'm there. Originals. So this is an adaptation of the 1924 story, Most Dangerous Game, which has been filmed several times. One person just in, out of... Uh, an IMDb subscriber, not a critic, said, oh yeah, this is a take on surviving the game. Some flick from the 90s is like, no, that was an adaptation of The Most Dangerous Game. I'm sorry you've never heard of it. Moron. Although, I have seen Surviving the Game. It had Ice-T and, what, Rutger Hauer? I don't remember if it was Rutger Hauer, but Ice-T, yeah. I'm going to look that so, up while you're, while you're reviewing. You know, 
don't don't be saying that this is a remake of some movie that was like a third remake of the original oh. movie. It's like, come on, dude. Anyway, Liam Hemsworth, the Hemsworth who does not have arms the size of Gibraltar, is this is one of the stars. Christoph Waltz is the other star. They are both very good. Hemsworth, I wouldn't say surprisingly so because I don't think he's a bad actor. He's good, but he's very good in this. And Christoph Waltz is. <laughs> he, he's he is who he is so he's he's terrific the premise is Hemsworth plays a young man named Dodge because he's in Detroit and dad was an automaker and, and but he didn't work for he didn't work for Dodge so I'm not sure why he named his son after a competitor but he did because he had his own car company anyway Dodge is a developer He's desperately in need of money. He's also dying of cancer. Not fun. He gets a little random note to, oh, check out, check out these guys, because nothing is working for him. He's making sales pitches to get this development going. Nothing's working. He wants to get this done so his wife and unborn child will have money because he's going to croak soon. He finally talks to the head of the company, Christoph Lutz, who has an interesting proposal for him. Uh, and if you haven't figured out from Most Dangerous Game or from the reference to surviving the game, you get to be hunted. If you can survive for 24 hours, you get paid lots and lots of money. But you're going to get hunted. Not fun. So it, It's not a game of tag. It is not. It's a game of, ooh, you're dead. Uh, there are some rules. He does get a head start, but he has to carry a phone with him. And they will track him. I believe it was every 15 minutes. Um, yeah, maybe. No, I think it was every hour, but at 15. And so then they, they know where he's at, and they can track him, and he's got to get away. Uh, and again, because it was originally done for Quibi, these are in very small chunks, like seven, nine-minute-long episodes. There's 15 in all. So I put it all together. It's like a movie. Uh, a couple of the surprising things... The opening credits are really short, like maybe 15 <laughs> seconds. There are no closing credits. They just roll. They just roll, which is kind of cool. They jump right into it. So he's on the run from these killers who are trying to wipe him out because this is a great sport for them, and they get a lot of money if they win too. He gets a ton of money, and it's sent to him every hour. So his wife is trying to figure out what's going on because we're no longer broke because now we have... 50,000. Oh, wait, now we have 150,000. Oh, wait, now we have 500,000. Oh, look, we have a million. So she's freaking out because she can't find out where her husband is. And she's trying to find him, trying to figure out where the money's coming from. He's on the run from these assassins. Lots of cool little set pieces. Uh, Vaults gives him information, gives him tips on stay in crowds, which would make sense because no one wants to shoot somebody and they can't shoot him. That's part of the deal. They have to be up close and personal because otherwise it would have been over really quickly. So that's an interesting twist. That is an interesting twist. Um, the original took place on an island. It was some madman who ruled the island and hunting was kind of boring. So he just he just uh, caused shipwrecks and hunted the survivors. So it's <laughs> been on this one because we're running through Detroit and he's being hunted. Yes, he makes some really stupid decisions, like incredibly stupid decisions. But 
overall, I thought it was very entertaining. Hemsworth is very good. Has some nice twists throughout. Uh, Christopher Waltz is perfect for playing. If you if you want an actor to play someone who is immoral, maybe evil, but very charming and still somehow has a good heart, he's your man. Really bizarre character, but he pulls it off wonderfully. So I, I really enjoyed Most Dangerous Game. And the format... It's it's all it's all available now. It actually came out in 2020, but it was on Quibi, so it's only been available on Roku for I don't know, maybe a week or two. But very enjoyable, good stuff. Yeah, like actually, it a lot. I did look up Surviving the Game. This has got a better cast than I remember, because yeah, it, it's Ice T mm-hmm. being chased by Rutger Hauer, Charles S. Dutton, F. Murray Abraham, John C. McGinley, and Gary Busey. That's a very good cast. So at the time, that's a good cast. And they're, they're not in Detroit. They're in the jungle. Yeah. Which or the ties woods into, or something. Ties into the original. So moving the setting to Detroit made it pretty interesting because of all the challenges of that. So, Oh, and he can't leave the city limits. And that comes into play a couple times, too. Anyway, I saw another, or maybe I should say I heard another series because this one called Calls. And again, this is on another streaming service that not one of the big ones. It's on Apple T- Apple TV Plus, which, yeah, Apple's a pretty company, but they don't have the streaming presence of like Netflix or, or Prime. But this was definitely an interesting twist, mostly because of the presentation. This could have been a podcast. There are visuals but there's no live-action visuals. It's not really animated. Well, it's animated, but it's just animated of, like, sine waves of conversations going on. But the way they branch out reflects the conversation. So it is worth watching as opposed to just listening to. You could just listen to it, but you do get cues to what's going on and what might happen from watching watching it. It's very, very strange, but very entertaining. Premises... It starts off, uh, sounds like maybe there's something wrong with the world, because like people are saying that the sky is opening up, and oh my god, the colors, and they're floating, and it's like, oh, this sounds kind of weird and kind of bad. Next episode, and again, this is this one is nine episodes, and the length runs from, I think the shortest was seven minutes, and the longest is like 16, 17 minutes. So another chop, chop, chop bit. Right. Um, this does have longer credits than, although not as long as like a movie would be. But I advise you to watch the credits because sometimes there is some action after they start the credits. So that even though they're just vocal, you still want to listen because a little little cue will pop up occasionally. So the premise is this weird event, strange, strange event is happening. And we learn by, about it just from phone calls that people are making, which is an interesting twist indeed. It's done very, very well. So then we go back after episode one, which is the end. Then we go back to the beginning, which they tell you. And it starts off rather innocuously, and then people start complaining about their arms are getting long. That happens a few times. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, very strange. Weird, weird things. And apparently there's some time travel involved. And it gets more complicated and also gets more clear as it continues. 
So I've never seen anything like this where it's basically could have been a radio play or a podcast. But again, the visuals do help move the plot along. I wouldn't say they're absolutely necessary, but they help. And I would recommend watching it. And again, that's on Apple TV Plus, which, yeah, you have to subscribe. But subscribe and cancel. You can subscribe for seven days and whatever. And there's some good stuff on Apple TV Plus. But it's also only five bucks a month. So, you know. I'm not about getting show. Apple until Foundation comes out. Yeah. Which we still haven't seen a date other than this year. Of course, we originally saw last year. And yeah. Look what that meant. Which has happened to a lot of things. That's but true. Two series, two miniseries from, and there will not be a follow-up to either one, I don't think, because they're not they're not at all open-ended. Yeah, if they were super popular, of course they could do something else, but these are self-contained, and you're not going to be looking for season two of either of these. And again, both on streaming services that are not quite as big as the others, like Roku, yes, has their own streaming service, and you don't have to have a Roku. You can just go to a Roku TV on your <coughs> browser and watch all their stuff there. And then yeah. Apple TV Plus. Good things. Movie I've got. Not on a standard streaming service. I'll get to that in a minute. It actually, it's not going to have a sequel either, but for oh. different reasons. <laughs> I actually found this movie quite by mistake. Because, you know, you usually find movies, you see an ad for it or hear an interview or something and go, oh, that might be something I'd like to see. No. Let me explain how I got here. Um, I was going through my movies and I came across Mindhunters, which I reviewed a couple of years ago. It turns out it's a movie that turned out to be a pilot for Criminal Minds, the TV series, which is kind of cool and stars a lot of people who ended up being in CBS shows like... uh, LL Cool J and the girl from Cold Case and Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> so it you see a lot of CBS in that. Peeps. But my daughter looked at the cover and said, there's one of the characters who's missing, the, the girl who was in The Mummy. Oh, yeah, Patricia Velasquez. We looked her up. Uh, she was in Mindhunters, and she was also in the 1999 uh, Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser. She was Anox on a Moon. And I said, oh, okay, I remember her. I don't know why she's not in the poster. Let's see what else she's been in. So she was in The Mummy, The Mummy 2, Mindhunters. And I came across this movie, Almighty Thor. Now, <laughs> this is not the Chris Hemsworth Marvel movie. This is the Sci-Fi Channel made it in 2011, the same time as the real Thor movie. But this, this is not Chris Hemsworth. No, Thor is played by a guy named Cody Deal. Have you ever heard of him? I haven't. Nope. <clears throat> but there are some other interesting casting things. Patricia Velasquez is in it. I'm not sure her character has a name, but I'm going to call her a knock because the uh, the name in this movie is about 16 syllables long, and I never really caught what that was. Uh, you want to guess who's playing Loki? You're not going to get um, there, but it's worth a try. Christopher Walken. He'd be a great look. Christopher Walken. That's close. Richard Grieco. Oh, jeez. That's that's kind of horrifying. If for some reason in this, Loki is the god of hell, which is not in Nordic mythology, by the way, and he looks a lot like Jack Skellington. I haven't figured this out. 
don't plan on looking into it anymore. Uh, Loki, of course, wants to rule the world and or the universe, and he needs the hammer of invincibility to do it. So he and his <clears throat> demons, I put that in bunny rabbit quotes, attack Valhalla, not Asgard, Valhalla, because why go with the mythology? And yeah, that attack well, looks well. like someone, the attack looks like someone impose, superimposed some sketches from Jurassic Park onto an Age of Empires video game. It's, it's not <laughs> good. Anyway, uh, Loki easily defeats everyone in Asgard, including Odin and Thor's other brother, who seems to be having a spout of Bell's palsy during this. It's kind of tragic. Uh, Loki's scepter, which disintegrates things, is a decked out PlayStation 4 motion controller. Uh, the sword fight, I'm putting that in quotes, between Loki and who was one scene ago disintegrating everyone with his PS4 controller. Uh, now he's having a sword fight with Odin, played by big sexy Kevin Nash. Sure, why not? And the fight scene was apparently choreographed by Laurel and Hardy. It, it, wow. But on the cusp of being defeated, Odin throws the magic hammer of invincibility into a bad special effect, which leads to the center of the Tree of Life, which is in Los Angeles. I don't know what the hell it's doing there. But Odin tells Thor with his dying breath he has 24 hours in order to find the hammer or the universe will explode. So there's some incentive, I suppose. Uh, incidentally, I'm not sure why Kevin Nash was using Scott Steiner's voice. Yes, those are wrestling references. Look them up. They have... It's, it makes no sense. God. Um, I have to watch this. Thor, of course, doesn't go to Los Angeles immediately. He goes after Loki and gets his ass kicked. But he's saved by a Nox on a Moon. And she has a cloak of bizarre weaponry because every few minutes, she's either pulling some new weapon out of this cloak or her ass. It's one of the two. I didn't bother to figure out which. It's a pole arm. It's a sword. It's an axe. It's a knife. The cloak isn't that big. So I make make what you want out of that. She, she grabs Thor and they go to Los Angeles uh, where it's daytime. But there are a total of four people outside and there are two of them. The other two are a black guy, stereotypical mugger black guy mugging oh, a black woman. Because that's all there is in Los Angeles. I don't know how they found all these empty streets to do this on. But there we go. Uh, so they get to a Knox house where she gives Thor some human clothes, which is really just an overcoat. He puts on his chain mail and I've tied sheepskin to my legs to make them look like really big Uggs. Whatever. Uh, she also gives him a Glock and an Uzi and they set off to find the hammer. This is the first half hour. You know what? It's not going to get any better. Um, the dialogue in this is horrific. Kevin Nash actually did not do bad. But as for everyone else, including Richard Grieco, who spends most of his time as Loki walking in Los Angeles in armor. And that's it. 
that's all he does. Walking around. Anyway, I've seen better acting at elementary school plays. Uh, they completely screwed the mythos in absolutely horrible ways. Um, I was trying to think, maybe this movie could end up being one of those cult classic things. And no. After the first 10 minutes, I spent the rest of my time trying to find something redeemable about the movie. And there frankly just isn't anything. Uh, the single fights are done in slow motion to give the idea that there might be some speed and skill involved, but there's not. Um, I was amused slightly that Thor drank a healing potion at one point, which healed his bullet wound, but not the scabs that had formed on his elbow. Um, at one point, Thor got sent to hell, where apparently his leggings were burnt off, because when he came back, he had apparently forgot to put his tights on. I just watched the movie or, or i mean if they had hammed it up a little bit like making the best line of the movie surrender odin or i shall summon rejected monsters from the original resident evil video game on the nintendo gamecube that would have made it a lot better but they didn't and yes that is what his monsters looked like uh th th this is not a good movie unless maybe you're lacking in sobriety this it's, is uh it's on Pluto, it's on Tubi, which are mercifully the only places to find it at the... At, oh, hang on a minute. Those are the only places to find it, but I did forget the one thing that made it so slightly interesting. It's about an hour in, and it was very accidental. There's a scene where Anaxuna Moon and Thor are walking down a street in Los Angeles. And two things about this amused me. One is the random graffiti on the wall that if you look at it long enough actually says Loki. Oops. And you could tell it, it's not something the cast did because it's actually got artistic design to it and nothing <laughs> else in the movie did. <clears throat> but during this scene, an actual resident of Los Angeles with a stroller and a baby wanders into the scene before realizing there are cameras around. And she spends a good 15, 20 seconds trying to figure out a graceful way of walking out of the scene because she can't just turn around and go back into the building she came out of. No. So she wanders around for a little bit in the background going, how do I get out of this? I can't cross the street. There's traffic. There's people over there. There's So she goes and stands in a doorway and just looks panicked for the rest of the scene. It's funny as hell, well, but it's should. only about 20 seconds long. It's not worth watching the rest of the movie. However, I am going to put a picture on our Facebook page that I would like you all to look at <laughs> because there is something in the background of this particular scene. And I've asked everyone in my house, we don't know what the hell it is. It's a big, bizarrely shaped thing that seems to be floating in Los Angeles. It's not Kevin Nash. It's not Kevin Nash. Okay. Uh, but to give you an idea of how good this movie is, even if uh, with the sobriety thing going on, IMDb has a rating of 1.7. Not surprising. That's that's not, not good. Yeah, that's not a 10, boys and girls. That's, that's not, not a, a 5 or 4. That's not a 10. That's not a 10. Um, yeah, I pulled this up, and this is from one of our favorite studios, Asylum Studios, the creators of all the Sharknado films. Yep. And yep, two-headed yep. shark attack and five-headed shark attack, and ape versus monster, which, <laughs> which we mentioned last week. Oh my God, 
Which this Eight vs. Monster White, by the way, has a rating of two. So <laughs> not so even that is better than Almighty Thor, which is according to the people on IMDb. That's pretty horrifying. <laughs> oh my god. You can watch the go on IMDb, watch the trailer, you'll get everything out of it you need, and frankly, after this, go find Chris Hemsworth. Or his little brother who was in a good movie. Yes. Uh, Most Dangerous Game, which was good, and Calls, which was good. And Mind Hunters, if you can find it, because it's not at, doesn't seem to be out there anywhere. It's good. Almighty Thor. Uh, not so much. It's so good. It's a uh, Kind of like something we need a vaccination for. So that's my segue into the, you know what? COVID still exists. Go get vaccinated. It's good for you. Uh, if you're not going to get vaccinated, yeah, you know what? You should catch it anyway, just to see what happens. Um, that's that's a bit cruel of me, I think. Anyway, you know what? COVID still exists. Even if you are vaccinated and have to get out of the house, wear a mask. If not, just stay home and watch a movie. Just not almighty fool. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Dorn, that's the end. <laughs>